0: Building materials are responsible for about 11 percent of all greenhouse gas emissions globally, but it's been really hard historically to know how to decarbonize at scale, especially across a real estate portfolio, not just building by building. As buildings get bought and sold, you can say, hey, we actually have a digital record of the materials in this building that we can transfer as a digital asset to the next owner.
1: Welcome to the Future Engineering Club podcast. My name is Jack Lomas and join me as I speak to some of the brightest minds in the built environment, hearing firsthand their experience building the future of our planet. For this episode, I'm super excited to be joined by Anneli Tostar, CEO and co-founder of Tangible, a software platform for sustainable building materials. We talk about improving material data transparency, the role of government intervention in tracking embodied carbon, the opportunity for digital assets for real estate and lots more. Before Tangible, Arnelli built her expertise in the world of real estate sustainability. She worked for the Better Buildings Partnership in London before helping real estate sustainability consultancy longevity partners open up their US operations. Arnelli told me that she's always been fascinated by the intersection of people and their environments, having studied anthropology and environmental science and public policy at Harvard University, and later got a master's degree in sustainable urban planning and design at KTH in Stockholm. I really enjoyed my conversation with Arnelli and I couldn't help but be reminded of the famous Peter Drucker quote of, if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. Digitising our assets and processes allows us to get to grips with what's really happening and I really think this applies to all forms of transformation efforts in the built environment, whether it's the level of embodied carbon in our buildings or how an energy substation is performing. The first step is to digitise so you can then generate the insights and I think Tangible is a really great example of this. So without further ado, let's dive into the show and pass over to Anna Lee.
0: So I'm Anna Lee. I am one of the founders of Tangible. Tangible is a software platform for sustainable building materials. I'm based out of California in the US, but have lots of international ties. So lots of exposure to some of your listeners as well.
1: So how did the idea of Tangible Materials come about?
0: Gosh, it really just came about because I was seeing this gap in the market for a place to you know consolidate and address embodied carbon at scale for the built environment. So embodied carbon is essentially the carbon associated with construction of buildings versus the operation of those buildings. And most of that is is attributed to the materials themselves. Building materials are responsible for about 11% of all greenhouse gas emissions globally, but It's been really hard historically to know how to decarbonize at scale, especially across a real estate portfolio, not just building by building. So my co-founder and I had both seen this gap in the market based on our expertise. I was sort of operating at the real estate owner side of the spectrum, and then she led sustainability for a manufacturer. And we both felt that there needed to be a solution in the middle to, to marry the two ends of the spectrum. 11%
1: 11% of, of global emissions. That was, that's, that's yeah. So Oh yeah.
0: It's, it's more than fashion and flights combined, which yeah. get considerably more attention.
1: Which is pretty crazy, right? So, I mean, clearly something is wrong in the way that buildings are either yeah. built. So, I mean, where exactly in the value chain would you say this responsibility sits?
0: I mean, this is the challenge of this industry, right, is that the responsibility is a little bit distributed. You know, when we've interviewed stakeholders in the value chain, it tends to be this kind of game of hot potato where everyone's like, well, it's not really my responsibility. It's the responsibility of this other person. I would say the biggest responsibility from a legal perspective and a financial perspective is with the owners of these real estate portfolios, at least in the commercial space. But that requires the cooperation and collaboration of a lot of other stakeholders in the value chain. Ultimately, we need to get to a point where every single manufacturer is manufacturing lower carbon building materials. But in order to incentivize them to do that, we need to drive that demand from the ultimate purchasers, the ultimate clients who are the owners of these buildings.
1: So let's say a Tishman's Bayer launches a new development. They would typically then bring on subcontractors to procure building materials, etc, then subcontract their workouts. Where would tangible materials come into that workflow? How would you bring value to that?
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question and one that we spend a lot of time explaining. So for us, we sit, I would say, at the top of the value chain with the owners and their design partners. So what that means is that for At Tishman Spire, for example, they are the customers, they're the purchasers of the software of Tangible. And what they can do is use Tangible to not only set goals for their portfolios, decarbonization goals, but also have visibility into the materials and the impact of each individual property that is in the platform. And so it's a way for them to not be so reliant on consultants and others to tell them, what their carbon footprint and material health footprint look like, but also for them to drive some of that decision making down the value chain. So, for example, if they say our goal is actually to be net zero by 2040, what that means is that we need to reduce our carbon footprint from our developments by 10 percent a year. You know, that's very aggressive, but it's, it's doable. Right. And so what that means is that it gets transferred onto each individual project. And as materials get added to each project in the platform, you can see where that tracks. You can see whether it is the kind of reduction that you're aiming for. And so our goal is to target the real estate owners, the ultimate clients, the developers, rather than the subcontractors, because the owners and developers are the ones who are on the hook, right? They have the kind of legislative requirements and investor requirements to meet.
1: So. It reminds me of a conversation I had recently with a city council and a real estate developer here in London, where we spoke about the difficulty in knowing the specific materials in use in existing buildings. as The record keeping is just so poor, which makes material reuse pretty difficult. So as new buildings go up, could your s- solution support this element of detailed record keeping as well?
0: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we think about tangible as A number of different solutions for a number of different problems, all related to material data transparency. And so if you think about Tangible as kind of a ledger of the materials in a given building and indeed a portfolio, what that means is that as buildings get bought and sold, you can say, hey, we actually have a digital record of the materials in this building that we can transfer as a digital asset to the next owner. And so as that owner purchases the building, they can say, hey, actually, all of the paint in this building is already low VOC certified, so we don't have to worry about that. Or actually, this mass timber is already fire retardant to the standard that we need to keep to. And so they can have some of that assurance. And then as you're gesturing at when the building may get disassembled or you know demolished, even you can say, Actually, this, this product itself has a lifespan that's far beyond the building. We know what that material is now. And so we can sort of keep that in circularity as well.
1: Whereabouts in your journey are you with this?
0: We started just over a year ago, a year and a few months. And it's been, it's been quite the journey. We are gearing up to launch around mid this year. And so we haven't launched yet. We've been co-developing with a number of kind of pilot customers, architects, and developers in North America and have lined up a bunch of folks who are really excited to get on board, but are, are in the process of kind of finalizing the product for launch right now.
1: And it's super exciting. And you can completely imagine a world where developers, asset owners, et cetera, use Intangible as just part of their everyday workflow.
0: Yeah. I mean, I personally think it's kind of nuts that owners don't know what's in their buildings, right? Mm. Like they would have to basically reach out to the subcontractors who constructed the building and say, oh, can you give us a record? Can you give us the submittals? Do we have access to Procore? But the owners themselves aren't great necessarily at reading complex drawings or product submittals. And so if we think about translating this, Just the most important bits of information to those ultimate clients. That's part of what Tangible can do.
1: And I know that there's now increasingly more pressure for owners to get a better understanding of their embodied carbon. I think last year we saw the Toronto Green Standard update to require developers to measure and disclose the embodied carbon if they want to qualify for certain rebates for green building projects. And I know that other public sector projects around the world are taking similar measures. What role would you say the regulator plays in this? And do you think there's ultimately a case for government intervention?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, (laughs) take my opinion with a grain of salt because I am half Swedish and so often tend to be more in favor of maybe legislative action than, than others might be. We are primarily focused on North America for the time being. And so across the US and Canada. There have been a number of really exciting legislative developments in the last few years. Notably, there is federal legislation across Canada, which requires not only life cycle assessments, but also a reduction in embodied carbon for all federally funded projects. That's very exciting. I believe it starts taking effect in 2024. And then in the state of California, we have pieces of legislation like Assembly Bill 2446, which require a 20% reduction in embodied carbon for all new major developments, so public, private, and residential, by 2030. And so that starts to really drive not just measurement, but consistent comparison and real reductions, which is really important because measuring is the starting point, right? But A, we need that measurement to be really standardized across methodologies and across projects, which right now, a bit of a mix, to be honest. And it's one thing to measure. It's another thing to identify these areas where you can actually make improvements. So one of the things that Tangible allows for is it identifies the kind of line items in your building that are particularly high carbon. So areas where you can make real adjustments and improvements just by adjusting that product.
1: Sticking on the topic of regulatory action, Does a level of dependency on government intervention to accelerate the market adoption of technologies like this, does it make it difficult to to build a business in the sector?
0: Hmm. I wouldn't say that we're dependent on it. I would say it helps accelerate things. There's been some really exciting stuff happening on the investor end of the spectrum. So, okay, we might think about the real estate owners and developers as the clients, but actually the real clients are their LPs. And so these LPs, and particularly, in particular the Dutch pension funds, but also firms like Calpers in the US, are driving massive reductions across their asset managers that they invest their money into, including REITs and real estate asset managers. And so for them, they're putting in their due diligence questionnaires, what are your plans for decarbonization including for embodied carbon that's starting to be explicitly called out. So I would say, you know, legislation is is really helpful. And helps to standardize things in a way that the private sector is currently a little bit fragmented, I would say. But the biggest driver is actually from the LPs. The LPs are by far the big drivers in this space and have <laughs> made our jobs a lot easier. <laughs> and I don't think that's gonna change anytime soon because ultimately their shareholders, who are the public, are are asking for decarbonization and, and climate action.
1: One of the really exciting things about your technology is that you're essentially productizing engineering expertise and you're productizing several steps in a workflow, which would typically be pretty manual and split over several silos in these major organizations. And what you're doing, which is super exciting, is just bringing it all into one single platform and helps folks that are maybe not so technology savvy get a better understanding of what type of data they have across the organization and the different sources where their materials come from.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because there isn't really one source of truth, one platform that stores this information right now. Like I mentioned, there's information in Revit, there's information in Procore. There are kind of whole building LCA tools, but those typically aren't accessed by the other stakeholders and it doesn't help you see across a portfolio level. So part of the advantage is not just for that upfront construction process, but also the maintenance of buildings, right? So you might say, okay, we actually have a water leak on floor three and we need to replace the floorboards and the baseboards. Now you actually have a record of materials that are on that floor of the finishes. Whereas previously, that was up to the property managers to somehow track down what those materials might be. And so by getting stakeholders to have access to the same information, while also having different permissions, of course, for for different folks, we allow for a lot more transparency across the value chain, which I think is really what's been missing in order to facilitate climate action at scale, right? We need to collaborate in order to move forward.
1: And. Hey, I often try and avoid throwing about the digital twin buzzword, but mm. I think there is a really good example here of the the values of a good digital twin methodology because it's that interoperable system approach, where it's bringing transparency and a single source of truth for an asset or a system of systems.
0: Yeah, that's right. And you know, right now, I wouldn't say it's a quite a digital twin. You know, it's not it's not a three D model. But I think there's a lot of opportunity for the sector to continue to have partnerships across technology platforms as well in order to, again, feed into better decision-making wherever those decisions are taking place.
1: So just to finish up, what technology or evolutionary capabilities are you most excited about?
0: Gosh, so many things. I think there's some really cool stuff happening in the design software space. Cool things that I've seen. Also a lot of cool stuff Honestly, in the labor space, it's a little bit less sexy, but ultimately, it's really important that we start tracking labor, allowing for greater adoption of skilled craftsmen in the field. There's there's been a real deficit of digital tools for folks who have been a little bit disadvantaged in the labor market. And so... I think there's a lot of cool stuff happening there. Skillet is one that that jumps out and Hammer is another. And then, yeah, there's some really cool design software out there. So Hypar and Arcol are two that come to mind. And I think those might go a really long way in speeding up the design process and ultimately making it much more agile for a number of different stakeholders.
1: What are the really exciting things about all of the examples you've just given is that you can completely imagine a world where... The tangible materials platform interacts with all of those separate platforms
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: at all of these different data sources to just like build this like supercomputer for assets.
0: Yeah, well, without getting ahead of myself, one thing that's really important for us is education, because it's one thing to say, hey, let's let's go net zero. And it's another thing to actually train folks in how to install the materials that can make that happen. And so we're excited about opportunities down the line for us to provide even just micro moments of education that can feed into the ongoing continuing education of these skilled tradespeople as well.
1: Brilliant. And I really like that phrase, micro moments of education. Anneli, well, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been absolutely fascinating. I'm so excited to see Tangible
0: grow. Thanks, Jack. appreciate it.
1: You've been listening to the Future Engineering Club podcast. Thanks so much for joining me. I really hope you found it interesting. If I may ask one favor, if you've enjoyed the episode, please consider giving it a share on LinkedIn and a follow on Spotify, as it'd really help promote our conversation to others who might find it helpful. And with that, I'll leave you to it. Stay tuned for next week's episode, where we'll be hearing all about building an Innovation Accelerator program at a publicly listed market leader. Thanks and goodbye.